I always wanted to work for them. I mean, I always thought like that would be like the ideal situation, like living in Maine and working for LLP, you know, doing design. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we'll post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it, a story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, and may lose value. Hello, MainBiz listeners. I'm Allison Nason with the MainBiz podcast team. Today, I'm talking with Erin Flett of Erin Flett Textiles and Home, located in Gorham, Maine. Her company started out hand-printing home goods in her basement before moving into an old textile mill in Biddeford and eventually to her current location in downtown Gorham. Erin's story took a major shift when she garnered the attention of high-profile brands like L.L. Bean and Anthropology, who wanted to partner with her. Add in winning the highly coveted Greenlight Maine competition that gave her a $100,000 cash influx. Her company was growing by leaps and bounds. Today, I'll be talking with Erin about how those high-profile partnerships affected her business what she learned along the way, and why keeping control of her design process was key to her success. Welcome, Erin. It is great to have you here on our podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Erin, to get us started, can you talk to us a little bit about um, your background and how you began before uh, you started Erin Flett Textiles and Home? I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Graphic Design from the University of Kansas, and i started immediately into advertising when I first started. I was a production and art director, graphic designer, and learned everything you could think about, about marketing and design and web design and branding and corporate identities. And I worked on all those type of things for this um, DW group, actually. I'm not sure people remember that um, Uh company. With Roberta Greeny, she was a huge mentor for me. And she took me kind of under her wing and really taught me a lot. And then I had amazing other art directors that kind of helped guide me and really teach me how to see things and utilize that, that branding experience that we actually learn in college, you know, how to think and conceptualize, but then hone it with, with branding and how to develop a brand and, to think conceptually and also just help build people's businesses through branding and design. And that's really where I started and where my passion began. I was a fine arts person as well. I did fine arts and painting and illustration in college, but my, so it's fine arts and graphic design was my, you know, my degree. So it was this kind of like a mishmash of everything. And that's how I did logos and branding development. And then I did like um, wedding invitations and different patterns and whatnot on collateral. And that's kind of how it just kind of my pattern making started kind of finding a home mm-hmm. was with through that, those pieces. So. And so can you talk to us a little bit about, you just shared, you know, the, the, these were your passions that you um, went to school for and how did the, the concept of the business come about for you? It was very organic. I basically just 
I was doing, I actually moved out after four years, I went on my own um, and had my own little design studio and I was doing a lot of branding for everybody else. And I always had like 15,000 bosses, you know, how you work for all your Mm -hmm. clients and they were in charge. So I would design for them. And then I just kind of lost my, I was just kind of, I don't know, I lost my spark a little bit. I really wanted to find something that made me happy in my own painting. I, when I did my own painting, it wasn't doing it for me. It was just something about doing pattern work. And so I started doing drawings and whatnot. And my kids were young. My kids were like, you know, three, four years old. And mm-hmm. um, my youngest, I think was two. And I just wanted to draw. So I started drawing and um, just being inspired by everyday life. And it wasn't until um, a friend of mine was getting married and she asked me to do something for her wedding present that I kind of made up this project for myself. Cause I knew that I'm such a deadline project driven person that I just needed an opportunity and an excuse basically to start. And that's, I literally did um, a pillow for her and I never, I don't know how to sew. And I didn't know how to put the silk screen stuff on fabric at the time. And I'm like, what am I doing? But I ended up um, hiring um, a local t-shirt guy to help me uh, put one of my patterns on a piece of cloth. And it's literally, that was one of the, like, the most major moments in my life is when I saw one of my patterns and it was named after the girl which her name is aria and that's my first pattern that's obviously on my website you can still buy it today that was my first pattern and that was for her and once i had that it was like every light bulb in the world like went off in my brain and my heart just exploded when i saw that i was like this is it so that was really the the moment so patterns can uh, you're doing lots of patterns now with your business for those that are our listeners that aren't familiar with your business can you talk a little bit about your products and what you manufacture right so we started out with pillows and then as a default we started we had a lot of just random textiles that were misprints and whatnot so we ended up making these little zipper bags out of the pillow scraps and then the then the little zipper bags for the pillows became like really popular. So we went, we moved from pillows, which we still do to all sorts of different size um, zipper bags to now we do carry-alls and tote bags and we call them mod totes. And, you know, every bag shape that you could possibly imagine basically is what we've been doing. And we've been doing wallpaper. We're doing like dop kits. I don't know. There's just so many different, we're doing glassware, which really is what's really exciting about doing pattern work is that pattern is everywhere. We live with pattern in our everyday life. And what's really amazing is that somebody like myself can actually, and any pattern designer can really put their pattern on just about anything in a mindful way. And it could, it just is embellished something that's really basic and it's really nice. And so that's, I think why I hope I can do this for the rest of my life because there's really no end in sight of what you can put your pattern on. On the day that changed, when you began your expansion with your partnership for LL Bean, can you talk to us a little bit about what the status of your business was before you began that partnership? We had just probably, we moved into the Dana Wart Mill. We moved from our basement. We started hand printing product in our basement. Then we, after about two or three years, we got featured in Oprah magazine and that kind of gave me the confidence to get into the mill. And then I walked around the Dana Wart mill. And if anyone's never walked that mill, I encourage you to do so because it has so much historical history and it literally spoke to me. I went to every single room or building or space in there. And um, I found one particular space. And when I moved in there, I think I've been in there maybe a couple of years 
the mill, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think it was like six or seven years into it. It was a pretty well into the business when Ella Bean approached me and um, it took about a year long. They came just kind of randomly introduced themselves. I think they kind of just showed up one day. I can't remember if it was a like an actual meeting or not. And then I think of the next time we met, it was a more of a formal meeting and we talked about doing something. And so just to clarify, when you were in the Dana Warp Mill, around the time that L.L. Bean had ever reached out to you and had <laughs> taken that um, visit towards you. So you were shipping out, it was all, was it all online at that time? No, or so we do, uh, yeah, so we didn't have a retail store and mm -hmm. it was all, and we had a really sad website. It wasn't great yet. And I feel like our site is way better now. And we are just, we've always done Etsy. Mm -hmm. And I think I had just launched my, when Oprah went, um, when we had Oprah, I actually got a, a new retail store on my website. And then I quickly turned it down because it was way too much work to do the Etsy site and my AaronFlett.com. So I ended up doing AaronFlett.com was just like kind of a expl explanation of the business. And, it and then the, the shop was actually linked to Etsy. And so Al Bean made that visit, um, yep. sort of had sort of the preliminary um, meet and greet. Yeah. And then can you sort of explain to listeners what happened from there? Yeah. Um, what the next steps? It's a, such a wonderful process when you collaborate with somebody as, as an insanely talented and well-known brand as L.L. Bean. They really do come with such an amazing force of energy. And they really had a vision for working with um, main designers and main, and I was just happened to be mm -hmm. the next one that they talked about. They flow fold, I think was the first one. And so uh, they kind of already had a good idea, like how it worked and they were, and really they just kind of looked around. They said, well, what is your best selling products? You know, and, and then I would just explain what I thought. And then they saw this, the Megan tote, that's actually one of the main totes that we've been selling on LL Bean. And they're like, oh, what's this? I'm like, well, that's my brand new toe. I haven't, it's not launched yet. I was going to launch it in a couple of months, actually, or even weeks um, prior to meeting with them. And they were like, can we have that back? You know, and so I was like, woo, I don't know. So, so it actually was a little tricky because I didn't want to wait. And I knew it was going to be another probably six months or to a year before I could like launch that into the world. And I was, and I've never had a tote bag. So how did you feel about that? We you know when this partnership was, was taking place, I'm sure a lot of different emotions and yeah, I was, excitement. When I first moved to Maine from graduate, I, I graduated from KU. Mm -hmm. I, you hauled it here with my two dogs and my, my now husband. And my first job interview was with L.L. Bean. That's how much I loved L.L. Oh, Bean. Cool. So I really wanted... I, I mean, I always wanted to work for them. I mean, I always thought like that would be like the ideal situation, like living in Maine and working for LLP, you know, doing design, but it ended up not working out. They ended up giving me a job and I just didn't, like it didn't align for some reason. And I ended up going into advertising. And so someone gave me some advice once they said, Aaron, once you decide on your path, you kind of can't get off that path. So you have to make sure you start kind of where you want, it's like in the realm of where you want to end up. And I really thought my life was going to be in advertising. So I didn't feel like working with a big brand with it at the time just wasn't what I was thinking would be the best course for me. So, so anyway, I went into advertising, but yeah. So when, when that opportunity came, I really couldn't believe it because it wasn't something that I nurtured or even looked for. It was happened so organically and so beautifully that I just, I was so grateful, honestly, of just the opportunity and for them to want to put their name with my name, I was completely blown away. And that was, and I'm so small. I mean, I'm not a big company and it felt good. And I know it was a feeling good partnership. It felt really good. And it was exciting. 
when somebody walks through your company and tells you all the things you're doing wrong, I was like, yes, somebody's going to come in and make it like so much more legit. So all my little exit signs were all buttoned up or, you know, where my fire extinguishers were like all the things that you are just, just weird technical stuff. That's actually really important. Um, or like needles, what are the, what do the stitchers do with the needles when they're done or when they break and um, like just little stuff because they've been through all these lawsuits in the sense of, all these liabilities and making you just be more aware and you pay money for that type of um, consultation. Mm. And so I was so really, truly, I felt like this was like a crash course in in that realm. It, for me, it was a great education and that, that was an amazing opportunity. Okay. Well, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors and then we'll be back with Erin Flatt and hear more about her story and the partnership with LL Bean. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E dot com. You figure stuff out. And I think mm-hmm. when you're a small business, you just one day at a time and figure out what, what needs to be done. And, and you literally get help if when you need help. We're back talking with Aaron Flett, CEO of Aaron Flett Textiles and Home. And we've been discussing the day Aaron and her team began a partnership with L.L. Bean to expand her business. Erin, so we were talking a little bit earlier about how you had adjusted a few things with your business in the manufacturing of the product um, with another company. Can you say the name again for me? It was 320 Inc. And and I believe they're in Westbrook. So that was one of the things that sort of adjusted and changed for you. Can you talk a little bit more about any other um, changes in your business with this new partnership? Yes, I actually, for the first time ever, well, obviously we um, also hired more stitchers to do this, which I'll ex- elaborate a little bit more when I get into anthropology, because that's when I really had to hire factories, but I did have, mm-hmm. I did um, play with different parts of the LL being like hiring out versus keeping everything in-house, which I think has been such a huge shift in my business in the last six months to a year, because um, I've done everything on my own and been very focused on getting, just doing everything on my own. So Having the 320 ink do the printing felt kind of not okay for me at first, especially since it wasn't a water-based product, but then they also were able to use, so I really work with 320 ink. They're amazing over there. Drew basically and I, we, we worked on this, um, this like this addition to the ink where it actually makes it feel uncoated because I'm very uncoated. I'm not a very, I didn't want a plasticky feeling and I, you know, okay. they use plastisol, which is all it's like an oil, it's like plastic base. So having that little additive in it, it, so he was able to mask crazy prints. Like it's still still screening, which is a beautiful thing, but it wasn't hand done. Every single one was hand done the entire LL Bean project in a couple of days versus I would have, it would have taken me probably a month of solid printing um, to do it one by one with my staff. And that's huge, obviously for productivity and whatnot. And then, so when I, so the way I really 
loved it was that, you know, Aaron, I talked to myself all the time, like, okay, so it's not you, but you are supporting this other main business that's local um, down the street, basically. And, and you're able to do it at a faster rate, not lose any sort of integrity at all of the process as much. And then the, and then the actual product is going to be that much more durable. And, you'll be able to get your product out to a different audience um, on a grander scale. So that felt really good to me that, I mean, it was a really win-win. And I, and so I think what we all struggle at when you're a small business, like how do I scale and how does it make it, how do you want to keep the integrity of the piece and your soul and not like really sell out? And I think the best thing that to come back to is that, that foundation of like, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm gaining things. I'm not losing things. You have to grow and expand and do all those things and and partner up with people that are aligned with you as far as integrity and that craftsmanship. But then you also have, so you just, you have to let go of this stuff. I feel like it's just like this easy money maker that is just, it's all about the, the bottom line, which I think has to be both. I think you have to have that integrity and that passion and all those things have to align. You figure stuff out. And I think mm-hmm. when you're a small business, you just, you know, one day at a time and figure out what, what needs to be done. And, and you literally get help if when you need help. So, so would you, are you comfortable sharing sort of the, the growth? What were you sort of manufacturing to what you ended up manufacturing? Gosh, um, as far as like numbers goes, I think the whole LL Bean order was around 3000. The first one was around 3000 pieces. And we print on an average day on our own, just about uh, 150 to 200 pieces a day, which is not very many pieces, but that's kind of our average per person. So if we have two people working, obviously that's doubled, but you can imagine 3000 pieces to sew. So those are the numbers we're talking about. But as far as like growth numbers, it really increased. I mean, I don't remember what the exact dollar amount was for the, the PO, but it was a substantial PO. And I remember 30, 40 grand of like, a great order for, to, for us, that was a, a huge order. And it's so funny, like now that's a smaller order, like in, the, in our little world, but like that, the first one was just like, okay, we can, we can do this, you know, figure it out. Did it take you long to sort of adapt to this new growth model? Well, what's really, I think the, the way we've always like me, my, I always say we, but the way we built our business in the sense of from the very beginning, it's all very, it's so basic. And the more orders you get, you just do more, you know? So mm-hmm. but it's, the structure is really strong. The foundation is really strong. So you basically just have to build on what's already there. And then you just hire more people to help you get it done. But the structure is really organized and so simple. I mean, basically you print it and you sew it. I mean, it's, it's just such a basic model. When you do everything, I feel like it's simpler because you're in charge of everything and you can manage everything. What does your, your new business look like now? So what does your business look like now post the partnership with Allo Bean? So basically we keep growing as far as the bodies of people that are in. So I'm on constant um, hiring for stitchers. I'm constantly training. So that thing is like what, what's really significant. And then we got an anthropology collaboration in November of this um, last year. And that was really hard because it was right in the middle of a, right behind, you know, right, be, right before the big holiday start. And so I had to do a lot of problem solving, trying to figure it out. And all my stitchers were pretty maxed out with holiday, with our own holiday, which is our biggest season. And so I had to seek out all the factories. So basically I hired three different factories, very small factories here in Maine. And that was an, a 
insanely amazing moment because after I figured that I was like, oh my gosh, after I let go of all the things, because after I was so excited about anthropology, I've always been very honored and just so excited to work with somebody like anthropology. L.L. Bean was an amazing opportunity. And then just to go from L.L. Bean to anthropology was just like, I used, I just couldn't, I really couldn't believe believe it. It was so fun. And, and my, my biggest vision has never changed. Like I definitely would love to be a a global brand someday. That's my big vision of like my patterns. I want them to be in all the homes in the world. And that sounds kind of like crazy and cheesy, but like, I would love that my work to be just known. And I just like, just, that's just an Aaron Flett thing. And that's just an Aaron Flett. Now, oh, yeah, you have an Aaron Flett this or whatever. I think it's, that would be really exciting. Um, so that's like kind of the big thing. But the other big thing is I want to leave a design legacy for my family and my children. And I want to have a significant impact bringing these beautiful things, hopefully, or patterns and sharing them with the world and the generations from now and then forever. So I didn't want to screw it up. I was like, oh my gosh, I was talking to my husband. I'm like, I got to figure this out. Like, how am I going to get all this stuff done? Because I only had a window till February. And if you guys know about holiday, I mean, people take out like weeks and two weeks and then and that was right before Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh my gosh. And people wouldn't talk to me. They're like, Whip, we're all booked up. Sorry. And I'm like, ah. you know, so, so I was just trying to figure it out. So, so how I figured it out was literally went to these factories and literally begged them to take me on, honestly, and said, these are what I'm doing. And they weren't ginormous numbers, which was really helpful, but it still was a really tight turnaround. And I was actually, um, I did win that hundred K from Greenlight, Maine, which I know you wanted to talk about a little bit, yes. but again. Thank you so much. That was just another, I mean, last year was like the best year of my life, I think for real. But so, and then I was working with this other company, this with the Greenlight Main Money as a, a digital printer that was coding canvas from a technology that we were developing in Germany. And I could never have done that through that money, that loan, or that was a loan. Hello, Aaron, it was a gift. So that like that grant was part of the reason I was able to develop that new technology. And I was in the middle of that and anthropology was like, I love it. It's like all my new bags I produce, people like, I want it. Don't, don't, don't start selling it yet. So it was like another tote bag that I've been trying to get out in the universe. And then of course, anthropology picked it up and it was a very similar conversation. Like, well, can you just wait for us? Can we just launch that bag? And I was, and it was funny and it's a funny story, but wait, the actual bag was in my car and I was on face, like a zoom call with anthropology. My kids, my husband were in the other room because we were all excited about talking to anthropology. And so I went outside to go get the bag. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to get my bag in for my car. He's like, you're leaving anthropology on zoom, you know, and I, like, <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, I'll be right back, you know? So I went back to my car and I brought this coated bag. It was just a tote that I had just, um, it was like one of our first samples. And they're like, their eyes just, they just like glazed over. And I'm like, oh, here we go again, you know? And they're like, can you overnight that bag? And I go, today? They're like, yeah, we have a meeting tomorrow. Can you do that? And I'm like, um, yes, I can do that. So I literally took my only sample, put it in a box and then shipped it to anthropology and they loved it. And then we had a PO like within days. And so just for timing purposes, so the, so the Greenlight Maine grant that you won, can you just explain yeah. to our listeners sort of briefly what that was the timing between the anthropology and Goodness, the partnership yeah, kind of, you can remember. yeah 
it was like a, it was a pretty long process. Greenlight Maine is almost like a year, I think, but maybe like seven, eight months. And basically Greenlight Maine is an amazing opportunity where it's a nonprofit who basically seek out uh, 20 some entrepreneurs and then you all compete for a hundred thousand dollar price. So with that money you received, you were able to use some of that this year or this past year, I think you were saying. So yeah, to kind of give a sense of timing, I'm trying to remember. So we, so we got that LL Bean order before the green light main, I was still like going through that, the judging and the, that whole process. So, um, so we were doing the LL Bean, that whole, that whole process was kind of unfolding. So that was really how that went down. And then when I did get the, the money, I was able to utilize that cash flow and start developing some new products and new, new developments. It was really exciting and hire actually hired more people too. I hired some very full-time stitchers, which I never had multiple full-time people ever in my studio. It's always been very part-time and or people working from home. But what's really exciting right now is I'm working on, and nobody knows this, is a handbag, a really high-end handbag that takes this coated canvas and makes it into this very shishi handbag, which is going to be such a game changer because it's... Um, gorgeous I'm freaking out about it It has like little brass feet and everything like it has like zippers and linen lined it has like little skinny straps and they it takes my mod tote details and make and they're all out of leather and they're um these beautiful brass rivets that are holding everything together and it's just it's just it's just so exciting I'm just freaking out about it we will hear more from Erin and her story about the day that changed everything after a few words from our sponsors. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. When I stopped really worrying all the time about where my next thing was coming from, and I started really just focusing on loving what I was doing and like the process, and I just kind of intuitively always knew that the universe was going to work, work it out with me. We are back with Erin Flett, CEO of Erin Flett Textiles and Home. You and your business has gone, you've, you've gone through a lot of growth and many opportunities and lots of new products. We've been talking about one of them, a special handbag that I think we're, our listeners are the first to hear about it here. So very exciting. After everything here, can you share with us what you've sort of learned from this experience? I think when you do partnerships and collaborations to continue to stay true to who you are. I guess the other really big things with businesses is that, you know, I, I know that people look at my Instagram and they see everything's all pretty and da, da, da all the time. And it's not, I mean, it's really extremely, it's been a really long ride and I can't tell you how many days and nights I've talked to my family or just like by myself. And I'm really talking myself off the cliff, like, holy smokes, this is so, this is so hard working and not focusing too much on like what you're not doing or what you're not getting. Like people get so stuck on like, I'm not making enough money. I don't have enough sales. I think when I stopped really worrying, I know that sounds really weird, but when I stopped really worrying all the time about where my next thing was coming from, 
And I started really just focusing on loving and loving what I was doing and like the process. And I just kind of intuitively always knew that the universe was going to work, work it out with me. But I just, when I was in fear, things did not come. You know, you have to have people that believe in what you're doing and, and then you have to appreciate them through, if you can't pay them a lot of money, then you have to appreciate them through other things. And I was been always a huge believer, like I will pay you this, but this is your goal and I will get you there and I will figure out a way to get you there. And, but you always, I've been very transparent about that with people and, and sometimes they can't, like sometimes they have to move on because I'm just not there with what they want. You know, we just started doing health insurance just recently, but it took me a while to get there. And, and it's, it's, that was my main goal too, is like, gosh, I just want to pay my people what they deserve. It's not even about me getting what I need. It's literally just being able to do, to continue to do what I'm doing. And I think that's why the money keeps coming to me because I just want to keep going and do the right thing and support the people that have supported me through this whole process. The Day That Changed Everything is a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI or Main Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The MainBiz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.